0: standing beside of the ocean looking out
1: on this episode of Playtime, part two of my conversation and music from Grammy-winning artist Leo Sayer. Leo talks about working with Roger Daltrey from The Who, Julian Assange using his voice for positive change in the world, and his thoughts about that fateful call with Elvis Presley on the eve before Elvis' passing. Stay tuned. I'm your host, W.C. Turk. I begin where we left off in part one with a discussion
2: on the origins of creativity. Then, of course, will we die, will the environment, we actually be able to answer the questions that Indeed. we've been asking all our lives? All the mysteries, will they get revealed to us? So that's you know, again part of the creative process. Throughout, throughout the,
1: throughout the book that I'm, I'm working on history of Life for the artist. Um, mm. I have, I have really tried to, to find a proper definition for creativity, yeah. but I, I I love what you said about creativity being the art of the possible. Uh, it I think is.
2: That's, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. The same, and 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 you know, to a certain extent, I'm going to quote add, you. And you can add the word problem solving as well. I mean, I yeah. look on all artists problem yeah. solving. I mean, you know, um, yes. plays Oldenburg sort of, um, you know, looks in the corner of his room and sees a, yeah. a plug, Yeah. and then he looks at a space. Between two buildings in, you know, in Saint Louis and the city, and they asked me to put something in there, and mm-hmm. he says, "Well, I, I think i will use a plug, <laughs> you know." So it's a massive plug sitting there, you know, an electrical plug, and I, I, I love that, the fact that we can take it off from anyone.
0: Come on, come on, come on, come on! I remember the day the brother my Holla, let's get it on. Living in the time that is past and gone. I've been soul mining, digging for gold. There's a lot of us searching, so I've been told. Timber stacks and adco don't never get old.
2: Control. It's the yeah, Chris uh, Christo would rap bridges. Christo, you know, right, right. Andy Warhol would use pop art and uh, you know sort of uh, you know, take take uh, photographic images and colour them and and immediately those characters and those iconic faces. I mean, we can't think of Liz Taylor without thinking of Andy's picture of her. Almost, right. you know. Yeah, so yes, yes. So the, the creative art is to sometimes in the way of problem solving, it is actually finding an answer to the question that you had. So yeah. you come in there with a question, you know, and the question is, oh, what am I going to do with this image of Marilyn Monroe <laughs> that's going through my head all the time? You know? <laughs> and, and, and then you find an answer. You know? uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and how do I fit um, the feelings that I've got about this great guy, Julian Assange, who's being terrorized for doing nothing wrong yeah, I kind yeah. of put that into a three-minute song And you find another way to do that It's problem-solving, a lot of it It's, it's, yeah. it's um, setting up questions and, and creating your own answers mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that that's also what songwriting is about is creating personal answers Rather than the answer that is generalized That everyone else has come to I was set up
0: Or I was deceived Even my guardian angel Cheated on me but Through the media hype Political waste This dirty propaganda Made me a figure of hate All I needed was a few more days All I needed was a friendly face All I needed was a distant hope Not a hopeless dream going up in smoke All I needed was the air to breathe all I needed was y'all believe I wasn't looking for to change the world to make my name out of fill my purse. Now there's no time, no time to live. no rail for the peace train on a broken bridge. But when the battle's over and the fear
2: seen yeah, so it's the individual it's the interpretation of yeah. how yeah. to describe. You, you know, you think, well, I god damn it, you know, I I'm i thinking of this about this this matter, and I think that you know, and nobody said this. And and and, and they've all kind of beat around the bush, but really, yes, that's what it is. Bang. So you've got a song.
1: I love this interview that I read with Roger Daltrey, uh, that he was sort of pandering to this young curly-haired kid songwriter. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh a bit dismissively, he told you to write, write him some songs and bring him around yeah, and not yeah. realizing how serious you were and, and that you were a serious songwriting talent, right?
2: Well, I, I, he says that in all the interviews, but he actually did realize he was serious <laughs> at the <this> time. <laughs> no, he was fantastic. I mean, we, you know, we, we went down to Roger's studio to complete that first album, Silverbird, and, and it was a, a guy called Pete Altham who was an yeah. amazing publicist and writer. And, and, and since then a great friend, and, and we went to George's studio not knowing what to expect, well, I was completely blown away that I was going to be in the, in, in the same room or studio as this kind of rock icon, you know? Mm-hmm. And he just turned to be, out to be the most lovely down-to-earth guy, you know, really gave me so much fantastic advice, even before we got to kind of talking about him wanting some songs. But I think he was mad and livid with Pete Townsend, you know, for for trying to split up the Who and as Roger interpreted it by doing a solo album. Yeah. And he yes. sort of said, Well, the only recourse I have is to make my own album. He told us that, you know, and he said, But I need some songs. He said, and no, I I need them from you. He said that straight away. He was the one who asked for. Me. So 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 straight away, and, and we had Dave and I were very prolific at that time. Mm-hmm. We'd already started on the second album. In fact, we'd finished the second album of okay. songs, you know the recording process was way too slow for us. You
1: know, we,
2: were, we had them already. We had 40 songs ready to go. I can imagine. So when you're, we, you're
1: popping out songs so, from the top of your head. You know,
2: yeah, yeah. I was just so creative. And that, and that means, you know, all these years, for David as well, you know, all these years of being waiting for this moment and now having this opportunity. And, you know, it's that moment when you turn around and say, hang on, this is my job now. I don't have to think of anything else. <laughs> you know, if mum calls and says, I need the washing machine fixed. No, Mum, I'm busy. I've got a job. This is my <laughs> new job, you know. So i I can be on this twenty four seven and get away mm. with it. And I've got people who will tell Mum, no, he can't do it because he's writing souls now, you know. And tell my dad, listen, this guy's going to be a star, you know. I had in faith the manager was telling me, yeah, these guys are serious, you know. This yeah. is going to work. Yeah. I know you think it's a bohemian profession, and I think and you you all think it's going to fall over in seconds. But it won't because these guys are really good and I'm for for. So this is what we're doing. And we go to Roger and we give him these these songs and he just turned around and said, They're all fantastic. I don't know how to choose. So he was kind of I mean he you know, he 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 tells the press story the way he tells the press story, but I know that he was he was just knocked out of the whole thing straight from the side. And I saw a lovely video just recently of him singing, giving it all away on another one of these cruises. Nice. And doing this beautiful intro all about me and about how we met. And it was so great, you know. And he's such a lovely bloke.
0: I all my juice, so I picked up my shoes. I got up and walked away. Oh, I was just a boy. I
3: didn't know how to play
0: worked hard and failed. Now all I can say is I threw it all away. Oh, I was just a boy giving it all away. Sail away, sail away.
1: I wanted to work backwards here a little bit since, yes, since sure. we we've kind of established uh, a a little bit of, of I tend the to ramble. <laughs> no, no, that's that's wonderful. I, I I I'm loving everything you're saying here. Um but I wanted to get to to some of these later records. Mm. Particularly Northern Song because mm. It's very gutsy that you smash the holy grail of pop music <laughs> by f- fundamentally rearranging iconic Beatles songs. For example, you give this Billy Jean style beat under an uh, for for an upbeat interpretation of Eleanor Rigby, and the moment I heard it, I went, I gasped, I was, I was like. <laughs> This this <laughs> That's nice. this is this is an astounding re-envisioning uh, of this material. Mm. Sir Paul McCartney heard this album,
2: or have you oh, gotten any you know feedback? Why? I, I, and I, I, you know, I, I used to know Paul very well. Yeah, like, we've got yeah. lots of stories where we yeah. bumped into each other many times, and he's always been a fantastic... In fact, the, the first day that I met Adam Faith, he said, right, we're going to dinner. And we went to this very exclusive club called the RAC Club, which is just beside Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. um, in London. And uh, out of a side doorway, as we sit down to have dinner in a private room, walks Paul McCartney. And you know, and I think Adam was trying to impress me because it's Paul McCartney. And Paul says, <laughs> "Hello, Leo. Nice to meet you." you know? and, and he said, "You can ask me anything." Adam has brought me along, you know, to meet you, and I, I've, I've heard your, your songs, and I'm going, oh, "Wow." Speechless, wow. you know, I didn't know what to say.
3: Yeah. And I
2: did ask him a few things about microphones. He said, "Look, I can't tell you anything." He said, "I'll oh, give you one piece of advice." To me. Don't cut your hair. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was all I got from it. You know. But but he was fantastic and, and he he was you know, saying my praises to quite a few people on those uh-huh. early days. Um so again, like Roger Dolphy, you know. But um I would have loved to have got this to him. In fact, when we were halfway through the album, I was thinking, How can I get it to him? And I yeah. think, like, I, I did sort of you know, actually um contact a few people that know him. Okay. And send them some tracks, but I've never heard anything back. Okay. He probably hates it. You know? You, know, but, you know, I think, I think actually he might love it, but, it, but it's I had a conversation.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> I had a conversation with, with Martin Barr from Jethro Tull. And yeah. we were, we talked about, we talked about management styles <clears> between throat> uh, throat> Ian Anderson who had his thumb on everything every aspect of the the song and then and then he went over and martin went over and and recorded a song with with paul mccartney and paul mccartney was very much um he he wanted he wanted martin's interpretation he wanted you know he was he was very open to to that that vision of of the performer of the of the artist And, Mm, and mm. so I I, bring to the party. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my my sense is that he would, he would love Northern songs because
2: I I think so because it's really effective. Yeah. But you look at the way they play with what they're doing and get back, you know, they're all having fun with it. Yeah. The way that that the song get back is, is the central theme. The way it comes together is written and it's created. The, The, even the la- rather rude way they diss a lot of, um, of, of George's songs that are later come out as classics, and they go, yeah, that's quite nice, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's interesting, that kind of tells you a lot about that. So, look, I have this fantasy about Paul McCartney if um, I met up with him, and, and you know, and I've got like two, again, it's like the crossroads, you know. <laughs> so one side would be, hey, whoa, you know, nice to see. You. Oh, man, I love your northern songs out there. You know, that's the next one side and I go, Oh, this is an kind of endorsement from Paul. Wow, wow, he likes it. And the other one at the crossroads, I go, Hey Paul, you know I did an album. Never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so Nowhere I man which one, I don't know which one I would get, you
1: know. <laughs> Nowhere man has this this understated reggae beat which yes, is
2: really.
1: which is which is just just phenomenal yeah. and it sounds very natural to to the song but this is how this is how fundamentally re-envision these songs are a day in the life could have been written by a, a great australian band uh split ends or yeah. or dave edmonds it has it has that that power pops sound to it
2: by me love is yeah. right down to I mean I was thinking of a poor South African guy you know like in that you think of Paul Simon South African mm-hmm, comedy, mm-hmm. Um, diamonds on the soles of Your shoes and I, was, yeah. and I was just thinking of someone who's absolutely got nothing you know you know money it just means nothing to someone who doesn't have it you know mm-hmm. I don't have that to play with so I was thinking of, of that interpretation in that song you know put it into a poor sort of um African or or maybe an immigrant, you know, or maybe a yeah. refugee who's traveling yeah. at this moment is a, you know, sort of Can't buy me love, can't buy me anything because I had nothing. So you yeah. put that interpretation into there. It becomes yeah. a, a rather sad blues song in some ways, you know.
1: And I, I think it's it really speaks to to the power of those original songs. Oh, uh, God yeah, that- I
2: mean, hey Jude, I was able to split up the the order of the song. So another time I do, Hey Jude, and then two bars. Don't bring me down. So I haven't joined it together. I've separated it, and there's a Bob Dylan harmonica at the start. So I'm thinking, how would Bob Dylan have, you know, it's kind of pulling it into that rain, and the Beatles love Dylan. So, you
1: know, it's... It (laughs) it reached its peak with yesterday. Um, You were especially effective with, with that and and that is such an iconic song, it's just Paul and the guitar. But you 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 bring a full band to that, it's up tempo. so a, a purist might argue you can't touch yesterday but but <laughs> you do it so effectively it it's spot on well, if
2: anybody's if anybody's listening to this look at amazon and there's one guy who just detests everything i've done and really? it's kind of almost funny the way that he detests it because he's his argument just doesn't work you know because the beatles were the most free thinking people you'd ever meet you know they would kind of take yeah. songs and i mean what, they, see, they were interpreters they were interpreters you know uh, when when george used to sing on stage roll over Beethoven, you yeah. know they'd see yeah. they they remade twist and shout you know right nobody right. in britain had ever really heard the eisleys twist and shout before mm-hmm. the beatles mm-hmm. had done it You know some of these songs yeah. that they cut in early days of um, you know when they were fans of rock and roll,
3: yeah, yeah, Trump
2: and Little Richard and Bob Biggly to the masses. You know, um, yeah. uh, they they were interpreters themselves, uh-huh, and I uh-huh. don't think their versions are sacrosanct to the originals either. So I think we are able to do this. I think it's a good thing to do, but I expected to get more criticism. I can only tell you. Last year the last concert that we played um on the tour of the yeah. UK, the fiftieth anniversary tour, was in Liverpool. And I got a standing ovation after Eleanor Ridley, which was so if you get that from a Liverpool audience, I I reckon I, I, got... I got from Scotprint. <laughs> nice. Very nice, right. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of in a way, I knew when I was making it, I thought I've got to, I've got to test the envelope here, you know. What was the what was the
1: impetus or what was the inspiration behind behind doing that, and then the choice of the songs? Because and and I've got a friend here, a a local band who just Mm. put out a put out a record reggae versions of of Tom Petty songs, which is very well done. Right? Uh, Yeah, exactly. But that's that's not that's not something that people
2: go to. This came song by song, in a way. Um, And how it started was I was actually teaching myself to use the studio completely by myself. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I do, and I had some, you know, I've got another version of The Show Must Go On, which is completely different, you know, of my song. You know, And and a few of those re I've got another Orchard Road version as well. Okay. Um, But I, I thought rather than do those, I thought if I take something that was not mine, that I had to respect... So I tried four songs, and I had this great luxury of John Hudson, a friend of mine from England, mm-hmm. uh, who was the he used to run Mayfair Studios in London and recorded all the Tina Turner and Brian Adams songs and Dar Straits and a lot of those. The great engineer, one of the great mix engineers of all time. He was, and uh, suddenly arrived in Australia, and I thought, oh, this is great, I'll get John to mix these, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, I rushed them together the first four songs, which were Eleanor Rigby. Um, uh, Nowhere Man, I believe, um, Norwegian song, uh, wood, Norwegian woods, yeah, yep. yeah, which was done in a very jazz style. Yes, um, yeah, and, and and which I did not uh, recognize uh,
1: as as the original song, um, and and I mean that in in a positive light. It was it was really yeah, well no, done. No,
2: I, actually, just as an adjunct to that, I mean, uh, I used to have a lot of fun because there is some great Australian musicologists and DJs and writers. Yeah. guys who are friends of mine. And I really enjoyed playing them some of these songs. And they go, what's that? And then they go, <laughs> my God, that's you know, something <laughs> <laughs> suddenly recognize. It. But anyway, um, no, I, it started off and I, just, I was just finding a way to use my studio. So I took the challenge of let's find some songs okay. and do them in my own way. And then I didn't really wow. think about it much. This is 10 years ago. You know, it started ten years ago, and 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 I just when John arrived in Australia and, uh, John Hudson, and I gave them to him to mix, and he loved them. He yeah, thought they yeah. were incredible. You know, but then it was kind of, do I dare put these out? You know, that's that's so gutsy. That also shows
1: that that's <laughs> that's gutsy, and that 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 also shows the power of you as as a musician and mm. as as mm. a musical personality.
2: Yeah, and also, you know, it actually, when COVID hit and we couldn't do live gigs... Yeah, yeah. That was when I actually started to finish this album. I don't yeah. really kind of like... I was having fun kind of reinterpreting, uh, mm-hmm. getting idea, reinterpretation ideas. You know, mm-hmm. oh, gone. What, what if I did uh, Nowhere Man reggae? What if I, you know, used a Bob Dylan influence for Hey Jim? Wow. And there were quite a few that I had a, an amazing version which I then managed to fit on the album of, well, amazing for me, uh, of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, all done with Indian musicians. I mean, I didn't have Indian musicians because I played everything myself, but I, yeah, I had yeah. sitar in there and... <laughs> you know, the whole thing. And, and I wow. had a whole way of singing Lucy and to, using Indian film music as the as the guide to that. And I had another one, uh, Baby, You're a Rich Man. And uh, when I was in... Okay. in um. For that one, I mean, when I was in, I was in uh, Morocco, yeah, and I recorded the Mullins, you know, doing the song. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, They've got these great songs, and I recorded them all, you know, as they echo with their speakers through the wow audience. and that was the backing track for <laughs> "Baby, You're a Rich Man." And I thought the contrast of the, you know, the way of life of Mohammed to to this kind of completely uh a capitalist song one to a junk but i never finished that maybe i'll finish it later but those are those are some of the big ideas you see you could do some fantastic contra work you know as something that would be completely opposite Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um lucy in the sky with diamond had a didgeridoo going all the way through it i've got a good friend of mine who plays incredible didgeridoo she's recognized by all the elders and she's got them all in different keys. So she goes, wow. we've got this amazing drone going on. And I thought, well, that's really interesting. That back with the Indian music. You know? I would
1: love to speak with you for the next 16 hours <laughs> yeah. to adequately cover your career.
2: We'll, we'll do this again.
1: But, I, but I'm guessing we got to settle for, for just this hour. So yeah. there's, there's so much you can get to. As I mentioned, you took a break from recording from 1990. To 2004 and 2015, you released *Restless Years*, a phenomenal album,
2: yeah.
1: uh, among among your very best. Um, a musical commentary on growing through changing times. Let me ask you about *Wrong Man* and what you were thinking of when you wrote that. Well, that's
2: good in the sand. the wrong the wrong man I met Julian in uh, Denmark um, I went to okay. uh, I was invited to a dinner uh, a publisher there who mm-hmm. publishes really art books amazing actually he's, he's published books for the, for the Pope and people like that he's yeah, yeah. A very bespoke you know these wonderful coffee table bespoke books yes. So I got invited by a, a Danish girl that I knew, and we went to dinner, and it was lovely. I sat down next to the model, Isabella Christensen, you know, uh, Helena Christensen. And, um, and there was this guy on my right-hand side. There was this sort of Australian, and like here was I living in Australia at the time, and so we had something in common. Tall, mm-hmm. gangly guy with blonde hair, not very, very well-dressed, but incredibly intelligent and astute. And as the dinner went on, and we were talking, you know, and talking, talking, talking. I didn't know much about him. He didn't know that much about me, actually. Um, he knew my name, of course, my, my fame, but he didn't know me as a person. But we started to get on really, really well. And then it turned yeah, out we yeah. were staying at the same hotel. So, you know, so I walked down the road with him after I'd said goodbye to my Danish friends and he'd said goodbye to everybody. And we just, we we, we went and bought a bottle of whiskey. We, we emptied the bottle of whiskey together. We took... And we put the world to rights, and I realized what an incredible person he was. Mm-hmm. Now, and and this was maybe about three to four months before he got into trouble in Sweden over the girls that set him up and all this stuff. You know, obviously the Americans were after him at this time, and yeah, and, yeah, you know, CIA and all of that. So, so he, he, you know, I, I got to know him at that time. Now, I never, I, I'm ashamed that I never got a chance to visit him when he was imprisoned at the, you know, the, the embassy, um, the Ecuadorian embassy. And I never got to, and I, I you know, I lost touch with him. Um, yeah. We sent each other a couple of messages. But when I saw what was going down, and knowing this guy, and you see, I'd met him, and I, I, I knew what the core of what he was about. A very correct guy. It's a little mm-hmm. bit like, you know, when, it's the same person as when Steve Sills wrote, you know, for what it's worth. It's the same person, someone who is, you know, surprised by something that's going on in the world and wants everybody to know about it. Yeah. So This was a great revealer of truth, and I just felt for him, you know, and I and I felt that I knew him and I felt I had the right to write that song. So that's what the wrong man is, you know. And they pinned everything on him. He was, I was set up. You know, it's it's, it's all, a, the whole thing is setup up. And you, you want to educate, I mean, and around about the same time, I'm very much against gas mining. Okay. Fracking, Fracking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because, because it's, it's, it's a lot of farmers that I know in Northern Australia. Yeah. Just, uh, their, their lands were ruined, you know, because their soil was uh, contaminated, their water was contaminated, yeah. and they were kind of like their business. Right?
0: when it doesn't take a genius to finish the signs There are many here among us who have no respect for life We live in such addiction to these bold exotic times When it doesn't matter where you get to More the height you climb But Just take a moment moment in time A of the future For this is your life A people divided Is a paradise lost One green world So anyway,
2: I, I got involved uh, in, the, in, in some of the things that were going on there And of course you know that from... Uh, your area of america right? mm-hmm. where well, a lot of it started next door in ohio uh
1: the, downstate illinois yeah it's it's, it's all yeah. it's kind yeah. of all yeah. around us yeah exactly
2: and illinois as well yeah so so um i got involved in that and i wrote a song called no Tracking way which is a real rock song and mm-hmm. i got all these australian artists to appear on it as well i think i wrote that in the same week as i wrote what's you know and, and, and believe me, I had managers, people around me, everyone said, Leah, you've got to stop this immediately. You know, what are you becoming? You're becoming a protest singer. And I said, good, <laughs> you know, so, I was loving it.
0: Lesson one, load your gun, drill the land till kingdom come. Lesson two, grease some wheels, gas some sexy spinadill Lesson three, something leaks, poison water spread disease. I oh, did you think we'd stand by and let you do it? No, did you think we'd stand by and let you do it? No, no!
2: There, this was a time for me to be released into singing what I wanted to sing.
3: Yeah. And
2: yeah. Nobody's going to be able to tell me what to do. Uh-huh. I no major record company as well. So, yeah. you know, I would just kind of like. Um, I have a wonderful record But you achieve achieve you've achieved I that level. You've achieved that level of being totally independent. Yeah. Not talked to by anybody. Yeah. And yeah. you know, the only thing that kind of went against that, and it's the reason why I've not been here in America for so many years. I had so many ripoffs and business yeah. crashes in that time, but coming out of that and surviving those terrible things, where I lost all my money, I lost everything, mm. lost my record deals and a whole lot. A guy forged his signature on on, on loads of deals and gave away everything mm-hmm. I had.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, so I having survived that, you feel strong. You feel you can get away with anything.
3: In fact, yeah. Yeah. so
2: I, that's what I did. I, I thought now I've got a voice. You know, I can. Talk about the things that really matter, and I don't like songs that just don't say anything. I, I like songs that say something. You know, it's so, it, so it's I'm, the essence of
1: art, really. Is is that is, that yeah. level of freedom?
2: Yeah, and those things go back to, you know, again, it goes back to blues yeah. and Robert Johnson. And then it goes to Bob yeah. Dylan with "Like a wrong Stone." Yeah. You know that you you have this template. You can say things. You can be a voice, and you can influence people, and you can be you know be independent and mm-hmm. celebrate free speech which a lot
1: of people don't have and that's yeah. what julian is about you know yeah yeah i i, I had a, I had a bit in here uh, about him in uh, in my second play uh, the people's republic of edward snowden um oh, which, which right. was yeah. uh, a comedy but um but one of the actors the or, or the 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 actor for the for the second run, uh, his brother was in uh, was in uh, military intelligence and was getting all of this. All of this. uh, This was right. Right. As this as it was unfolding, um, we hit the ground with the play right right off the bat. (laughs) Um, But the the actor was getting classified information from his brother. To help him yeah. inform
2: yeah. his, there had to his... be those sideways issues. it was, exactly. yeah, the same yeah. with Bradley Manning. I mean, I mean, when yeah. when he was yeah. before Chelsea, when Bradley yeah. Manning was was not only yeah. finding stuff come up on his mm-hmm. terminal when, mm-hmm. when he was, you know, stationed abroad, but he was, you know, the rest of the guys say, "Hey, look at this! I just found out." You know, uh, we bombed those people. We killed those people that they told us the 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 killed right? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and so all of this you know uh, and the guy saying holy shit I can't write that you know I can't, <laughs> oh, I better keep this quiet you know I'm better keeping yeah. you know you know, we're all keeping all of these things quiet this is yeah. secrets and murder it's murder it's just it's murder yeah it's yeah. it's collateral murder yeah. and so so and so that that went you know but I think that um I think that you know sometimes. If we know something, we are almost duty-bound as human in spirit. Indeed. And that's what songwriters do as well, you know. <laughs> we all have consciences.
1: going to i'm going to reserve um Mm -hmm. a conversation about competing with with the dj uh which is my (laughs) which is my all-time all-time favorite song by you oh thank you um we're we're, we're gonna hold that for our next conversation but i wanted to touch on soul mining off of selfie um beautiful ode to marvin Gaye what inspired it's d- to
2: record collectors
1: actually it is it's
2: i have a load of friends of mine who you know they dream of those cut out you know going to going to uh you know record sales you know that there, there's these there's these fantastic record marks that go mm-hmm. on you know sort of like they'll be announced you know in the uh-huh. ads or on twitter or something you know everybody go down to you know, Columbus Avenue, um, three sixty two five. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. There's going to be you know, guy's just emptying his, his whole boot full of tracks. So somebody goes down there and they find, Oh my God, there's an original Al Green demo, you know, instead of being in there, they've never heard before. And that's what Soul mining is about. It's about digging up those old records, making that music yeah, live again. Yeah. And, um, and going back, you know, to, it's all about record collections and, and, and and how those records, you know, sort of inspired you. You know, uh, um, I can't offhand actually remember the lyrics. I've written too many songs. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, you know, uh, there's that moment. It's like it's kind of like going to church. It's a real sort of gospel moment. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, at that time when I was writing that, I was listening to the rebirth of Kirk Franklin, mm-hmm, an amazing mm-hmm. gospel record. That I don't know if you've ever heard that. It's just an incredible record. Mm-hmm. It's it's just so inspiring. The music's amazing. The singing's amazing, the whole thing, the guy is amazing, you know.
3: What joy it brings. Come on. My soul can't wait Woo. to see your face.
0: What we gonna do? I'ma show me cheese. Come on.
2: Listening to that record, and it was like um, when you reach that moment, it's like mm, mm, talking to God. When you hear the great records, and you know the, the, when the yeah. when the choir pops in, you know, and when the, it reaches that chorus, oh man, it's just heaven.
1: You have a way of speaking boldly and honestly through your music. Um, uh, the first song I heard off of Selfie was "Occupy."
0: Hungry man thinks he can change the world with a cheap spray can. So he sends out a message, come and meet me tonight. We can party up the town till the morning light. Mm. Hurricane Annie just feels so alone. She was laid off from a job, Bruno no fun of her own. The boss man claims all the changing times when you can count yourself lucky that you're still alive,
1: I was, as I said earlier, I was very active in the Occupy movement.
3: Fantastic.
1: I, I wrote a play amid the Occupy movement. Down uh, in in downtown uh, Chicago, that that wow. went to theaters and got standing room only audiences and national attention. But wow.
2: I, I I must apologise that I only knew I was talking to you um, from two hours ago. So I googled very quickly as I always do, and I suddenly saw that, and I thought, man, this guy very interesting. I've got I've got to, I've got to look more. You know. So. Oh, thank you, brother. Well, but, Occupy, I mean, was I, I I wrote that song. What I'm doing at the start, I didn't know if I had permission, but it's a yeah. journalist in Washington. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm I, replaying the Occupy. Blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And it was some uh-huh. stupid ignorant journalist kind of running down the whole thing. Yeah. And it was a little report. And that's inspired the whole song. But I had to remake it with my own voice because I, ne- I thought I'm, I'll never get permission to use this. It was a I thought... I thought you
1: captured <laughs> I thought you captured beautifully sort of the 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 nuance word what
2: the guy said you know
1: yes <laughs> but but you you captured the nuanced world of of the occupy movement there was the guy yeah. with the spray can who thought that that he was going to change the world with that spray can oh, there was there was the down and out banker you know who lost everything and and was now mm-hmm. was now dis- so disillusioned that he 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 wasn't looking at the world through those those capitalist rose colored glasses. He was seeing seeing it for what it was. The, there was there was the, the so
2: there was all these nuances. the girl is the girl is a precursor to the the yes. suicide. Um, yeah, to Sam. She's a precursor to the Me Too movement. If you yes. think about it as well. Yes. Yes. You know, yes.
0: So- when Meets an immovable, no, it must be dealt with grace and tempered with soul. If we all give up just a little control, we might find out we have similar goals. But he's being sent home cause his visas run out Take back the streets, take back your life
2: Take back the streets, take back your life. So you're telling the story of characters who have literally taken the Huh? They've taken life into their own hands,
3: yeah, and yeah. their
2: and put their opinions into the action, and and that's what that song is about. It's about people feeling things, yeah, and also yeah. reacting to the, you know suburban modern life
3: and its yeah, traps. Yeah, yeah.
2: You know, uh, a bit like that movie where Russell Crowe suddenly becomes the aggressive driver, you know, or who was the guy who got out of his car and started shooting people, you know. It's, um, you're you're taking those extremes, which, you know, modern life kind of um, pushes you into,
3: Mm -hmm. but finding
2: a way to describe some very simple stories. I mean, the immigrant guy who in there, you know, uh, the African guy who's kind of like, you know, being moved from country country to country. You know, they all got a story. And I thought that that was kind of interesting. Because to me, it happened about the same time as it started anyway. Mm -hmm, The first mm -hmm. start of Occupy, which started actually in Asia. And it started at the same time as the Arab Spring. Which is a very similar... And I wrote a song about the Arab Spring. I've never... um, It's called A Brand New Day. But I've I've never got a chance to get that out. And in fact, everybody forgot about the Arab Spring as soon as it had happened. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly it got replaced by something even uglier in Syria. Of a horrible sort of war started by... Yeah. Uh, the the leader of the country who never even came from that fucking country. No. <laughs> so it's it only got even worse, and of course it brings the 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 the, the uh, Saudis into it, and all of those elements. So yeah. the Arab Spring, the uprising of the of of Arab people, right down on the breadline, got forgotten about very quickly, which I thought was really sad. Mm-hmm. So they inspired it as well. So there, I hope that they're represented by that song as well. But you know, I'm, I'm in a funny position because. I'm, I, I know I'm not one of in the top 100 of popular artists, and I know I'm slightly outside the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the begging bowl of hits, <laughs> you know, area. So if I'm writing songs and I put them out there, I, I, I can only hope that maybe posthumously these songs may well get recognised as what they are, and I, I do hope so because all of those albums – and I think because of people's expectations, also yeah. the way the keyboard yeah. warriors are these days yeah. anyway, every single review of that album and selfie have been negative. Really? Totally. I think absolutely. that is... Some, I can't and, find a good review of either of those records.
1: Well, um, I, I'll, I'm giving so, you a so maybe I'm, here, I'm that much of a rebel that I'm kind of
2: like completely out of set.
1: <laughs> I'm I'm giving you a good a good review here because I you think know, those, were, those were outstanding albums and oh, and do. I and I review and listen to a lot of music both local and international. Yeah. I, I I truly believe that that is some of your best work. Um and yeah. uh, and and I've got it in uh, on on a regular play on my uh, my MP3. Oh, bless you, That's uh, so it, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's wonderful. Um, and I, no, it's not, nice
2: to know it's not all falling on deaf ears. And you know, it absolutely, I mean,
1: is. Of com- you talk about competing at the deep and and the deep. meaning by by the way, not just the music, but the meaning behind
2: yeah, those. Yeah, yeah, no, no it's the message. Yeah, exactly.
0: We we both fancy the same girl. She she says she's leaning to the DJ. He, he wants her in his DJ world. Where well, she sends him SMS. She gives me PMS. My ship is in distress. Although I'm working at my best. On the list, she's just a guest. In her bestest little dresser. I swear I'm such a messer While he looks so cool and fresher oh, I am competing with a DJ Me, We're both after the same job He He's only got a box. Of-
2: competing with a DJ was fun um, uh. the, Actually, the, the, is that the same song? No, the DJ song was the one It's got
1: this, it's got this great hip-hop
2: yeah, Energy it's point. kind of every single, every single line is a song title. Yeah, yeah. And that's the idea, yeah. you know, to write a song from song titles. No, no. So that, Kathy's, it's, yeah, when Kathy's yeah, song, right, the true. talk of the town, we would deeper yes. and down, you know, yep. going <laughs> around yep. and around. Yep. You know? And, and to, that to me was, I, I just so enjoyed writing that. It was so much fun. I yeah. thought nobody's done that before. Uh-uh. Um, uh-uh. You know, just use song titles for something. I mean, mean, you know, Don McLean, of course, uses it in American Pie, but, but of course, as part of the song. As part of the song, song, yeah, yeah, brilliant song. Uh, So, so I, I wanted to write a song that was just made of all my favourite song types. You know,
0: I died on a zebra crossing Abbey Road. I choked on a burger down in Tupelo. I drowned face down like a rolling stone A crash with the crickets in the Oklahoma snow I was burned on a pie by the Joshua tree Or deed in a bath down in Old Paris I jumped from the bus off the Brunel Bridge And they're still out looking for me Now this sexual healing's got me Rockin' and breathing, singing. Oh, I feelin' I'm just dancing on the ceiling, won't you?
1: I'm going to wrap it up here because I, I know you're busy. My wife suffer, suffers from fibromyalgia and writes a blog mm-hmm. called Fibromyalgia This, Diary of a Pain Warrior. You suffered a terrible fall in 1977 yeah, yeah. and and injured your your knees and your your ankles, right?
2: Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. Yeah, was it was Alpine
1: Valley. It,
2: wow. Yeah, the okay. same place that Stu Sevier C- 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 Ray Vaughan, If you think about it, because yeah, yeah, I, 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 I was Turkey at that with, show. With, yeah, and yeah. and um, my Eric's tour manager was my tour manager as well. Okay, um, who was was in the plane with CD and died as well.
1: and you. Um, so you were recovering yeah. when um, when you received uh, what turned out to be <laughs> the last call that Elvis Presley ever made yeah. before he passed well, away.
2: I, I I'd fallen off stage, and you know it made national news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of helpful for the agents yeah. and promoters and the record company. So they all said, you know, God, Leo, you've got to carry on working. And I was working in a truss. Oh, gosh. Had a horrible fall. Luckily not broken any bones, but I got as far as Memphis. And uh, we were in Memphis, and I had this big, big auditorium. Everybody's ready to go on stage except me. And I'm in a ball in the dressing room, and I can't get out of it. It's a delayed shot, you know? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, after this horrendous fall. and And... Uh, they called for somebody to help and they found a guy who was an ex um, a, a Miami Dolphins, funnily enough, S- football player, famous player as mm-hmm. well. And he was in the house and he was working for somebody big in, in Memphis. We didn't mm-hmm. know who. Died. He just kind of took me, said, I know how to deal with it. I know how to deal with it. And he picked me up and he just put me in the back of his truck wow. and drove me off to his Huntsville, Alabama, where he had a, a gym and a whole setup there. Uh-huh. You know, and uh-huh. um, and I kept asking him, you know, what are you doing here? And then, who are you? And all this stuff. As he was working me out and I was getting better and better and better and fitter, we yeah. did exercise and we did everything. He was an amazing guy, Michael. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept mm-hmm. asking him and he said, I can't tell you who my boss is. Uh, it's complicated, you know, and all that stuff. And then um, one day he uh-huh. just turned around and he just added me the phone he said, it's my boss. You wants to talk to you. And I was with Elvis Aaron Presley. And I do want <laughs> to say you might be a good <laughs> and that was it. And I went, what? And at first I didn't believe him. I said, No, no. He said you to go, God's truth, sir. It is me. It is and um, over the other side of the room, Michael is nodding. Yeah, I told him about you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had this amazing conversation with Elvis, uh, kind of into the evening. We must have talked, God, over an hour. We we mm-hmm. just chatted and chatt- about everything in the world. And he told me he was on his own, really. He just had his girlfriend there. And one guy looking after him, but other than that, he sacked all the Memphis Mafia, and you yeah. know, and, and just, and just, and Michael was his right, his go-to guy to get him fit uh-huh. to get to do some shows again, you know. So uh-huh. he was preparing uh-huh. back on the road, and he said, "Look, I've got a bit of time." So he said, "Before I go, so and he said, and if you've got time, he said, and we can declare you. He was funny actually because he said, "We can say you're still unfit," and I can say, "Yeah, you know, I'm feeling great, but yeah, I'll pretend." He said, Yeah, just come and hang out. Come and hang out at the house with me for a week. He said, We'll do some things, we'll make some music. Hey. Let's, let's do something together, because he said, you inspire me, really inspire me. So I went, wow, yeah, okay, okay obviously, I'm coming, I'm coming. And uh, he said, great, let's, let's, uh, tomorrow, let's, let's start up tomorrow. Michael yeah. will bring you up. It's all done. And I can hear him livening up as the conversation went on as well. You know, he was really keen. Said, I love this, I love this. He kept saying, you know, and, you know, and I say, saying, man, you know, you, you, don't, you don't know how I feel about this. This is an amazing moment for me. He said, oh, that's great. It is for me too. And then we said we signed off and see you tomorrow, obviously. And he said, See you tomorrow, Leo, and put down the phone. And then I used to take the radio and take you know, because it was southern music from country to yeah. to rock to blues. It was also incredible. And I had this tape machine. I used to, you know, roll the dial onto anything that's interesting to record it. I've still got the recording actually. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, getting ready to go, packing up my stuff, you know, and so excited about it all. Michael's getting the car ready and everything, and the news comes on. Good evening. Elvis Presley died today. He was 42. Apparently it was a heart attack. He was found at his home in Memphis, not breathing. His road manager tried to revive him. He failed. A hospital tried to revive him. It failed. His doctor
0: pronounced him dead at 3 o'clock this afternoon. The end, at an early age of one of the two most spectacular careers in the history of America.
2: And I record it, and it says the singer, Elvis Presley, has been taken um, dead on arrival into Memphis Baptist hospitals. And and they're in shock. The the People are shocked. I can't believe what I'm reading. And Margaret Margaret says, no, I can't handle it. She's crying. And it's all there on the radio. And at that moment, and I left it on record, Michael bursts into the room and says, I mean, you heard, I've got to go. So he just left me some money on the table. um, And um, the cab driver, he kind of made an arrangement. that I got myself to the airport and went back to LAX. And that was it. Never got to meet Elvis. Have you ever thought? But hang on. How about this? Years later, David Foster, the producer, right? Mm -hmm. he's, Mm -hmm. He's coming to London and he's talking to my publisher my music publisher, Warner Chapel Music, and he says, I really want to meet Leo Sayer. And first off, I think, wow, does that mean, and it wasn't a good time in my career, so I'm thinking, does David want to produce me? Wow, this is going to be good, you know? Mm -hmm. Because I knew David anyway from playing, he played piano with me in the time of Richard, you know, something we didn't record, but he was one of the keyboard players. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't know what to expect, so I go to dinner, and with him is this beautiful, red-headed, tall girl, who was Elvis's last girlfriend, Ginger. And she said, "What? Well, she hated flying. And David says she hates flying, but she, she knew, I was, knew I was coming to London. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot of each other. Uh-huh. And, and she just said, would you be able to introduce me to a guy called Leo Sayer? And, and that's what she said. And he, she said, I, he said, I know Leo. I, I played with him once, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. He said, but I'm going to London. Why don't we find him? She said, if you find him, I'll come to London with you. And I think he was really into that. He wanted her to uh, come with him. So he kind of addressed the whole thing and told Stuart, my publisher, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. And he didn't tell him the, whole thing, he him the whole story, but just said, you've got to get Leo to dinner. You know, so I, I arrive at the dinner, no expectations, not knowing one. And she's there and she's just in tears. And she's just saying, I've been waiting for this moment for years, since 1977 but I haven't had the courage to fly, and I never found a, a guy that I could rely on to, to, to bring me safely over to see you. And I, I always know. wanted to tell you how the last thing that Elvis said to me was, he sang me, you make me feel like dancing. And he was leaping up the stairs saying, I'm seeing Leo tomorrow. I'm I've seeing seen Leo tomorrow and told me all about you. And she said, I just wanted you to know that you were the last thing that I remember that was on his
1: mind. Have have you ever thought what that music that you and Elvis might have created together, what have sounded like? Oh, I did. Yeah.
2: Oh, I did. Yeah. Uh, uh... One time I was talking to John Lennon, and he was mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. telling me about the incredible disappointment when he actually met Chuck Berry. He found out he was a bit of an ass. You know, and he said, "Never, Leo, never, never, never expect too much of your heroes." And I had that going through my head, you know. But, but you I had, had but you had had a but very long, think, long conversation we with Elvis. We, we had a we had real rapport. Yes. Was, yes. And I think you know, maybe it was the emotional time he was at in in his life as well. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he knew that was up in a lot of ways. You know. At yeah. That time. It was yeah the last corral for him really in some ways yeah. and, I, and I think that um, it, look it could have been anybody it could have been Paul Simon or Ray Davis on yeah. the other end of that phone and I, I have to think in that way yeah. and, they, and that and that would have been Elvis Cicello, maybe you know it would have been yeah. a wonderful partner yeah. for him at that time
1: Elvis just just is is a is a different level right. right.
2: Yeah, of
1: course, of course, yeah. absolutely, like, yeah. like Sinatra, you know, yeah. or, or I don't know. Um, Those stories, man. Um, I, so I also, as I said earlier, I also host a podcast for the Chicago Writers Association mm, uh, mm. at ChicagoWrites.org. Did I hear that you're working on an autobiography? Oh,
2: well, I've actually finished it, but you know, in my rebellious way, I've done it all wrong, and it's been rejected by every publisher. It's not because of the contents of the book. It's just the fact that I've decided to do it in chronological order. And okay. for fuck's sake, I don't understand what they're talking about because to me, it was chronological was the way to write it. I didn't take any advice. It's ninety. It's it's, it's hundreds of thousands of words. Mm-hmm. A massive book.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but but uh, it's so far it's been rejected. Yeah. So I've, I've either got to rewrite it or else just do it independently. Well, uh, but, it's, well, but, but it would always be, being Leo, being this bloody-minded person that I am, it just had to be done in the wrong way.
1: We'll have to, we'll have to talk about that, I've, and, and I've got, yeah. uh, I've got a connection to... It's an interesting story.
2: No, but I, I really wanted to do it chronologically because, you know, my life started when I was pulled out of a pram and yeah. crushed my head yeah. by a dog. And, and, and I think that every single story in life, I, I do believe chronological works.
1: You know, but they want you, you to You saved kind of people out. in a hotel fire.
2: Yeah, that's early on. Yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. Wow. All
2: these stories, they're all there. Well, maybe I should send it
1: to you and we'll see what we can make something. Yeah, of. yeah. And and I last question, what might folks uh hear on this tour from Leo Sayre? Well, we do Eleanor
2: Rigby from the new album. Okay. And um and, and, and I mean we've got shorter periods of, of shows because I usually do a three-hour show trying to fit everything in, you know. So um, <laughs> the shows are a little bit shorter, so we've kind of been catching... You would have on to. Boat. On the boat trip, I'm doing two completely different shows.
1: Wow, wow. So,
2: so, so, you know, just a couple of the hits will be in the same okay. ones. But uh, but other than that, I'm trying to sort of t- show everybody what I do. And um, being a Gemini, you know, I have this, this need to show everything. So, yeah, so we'll have the hits. There'll be some of the rarer songs from the catalog as well that can really work on stage because they're they're great moments on stage but mostly yes the hits
1: nice nice uh, i'm i'm familiar with your entire catalog brother um and mm-hmm. and the early the even the early patches stuff
2: oh wonderful wow
1: but we'll uh, we'll talk more about that. Uh, I I'd, I'd love to have you back. Uh in the meantime, Leo Thank Sayer you. is simply a legend. He's here in the states for just a very few shows and live for just one night here in Chicago at the arcada Theater in suburban St. Charles for an 8:30 show on Friday, March 24th. The website is leosayer.com. It was a sublime pleasure speaking with you, brother.
3: Fantastic. Great talking to you
1: as well, man. You A very special thanks to Leo Sayer for taking some time with me. And thanks to all of you who listen. Subscribe to the podcast for notifications and future episodes. Don't miss Leo Sayer for a performance for one night only at the Arcada Theater in Suburban St. Charles for an 8.30 show on Friday, March 24, 2023. The Arcada Theater is at 105 East Main Street in St. Charles, Illinois. You can call them at 630-962-7000. That's 630-962-7000. Or visit arcadalive.com. And for information and future tour and live dates, the website is leosayer.com. Those links will be posted in the notes below. I'm your host, W.C. Turk.